Here's a tale about two girls I know. They talk about crime and spooky stuff and have a hell of a show. We all gasp and hold our breath at the stories they tell. Some are about heavenly visitors and others are trips through hell. So sit back and relax with a paranormal chicks for stories about ghosts and killers and, yeah, sometimes dicks. Hey y'all, this is Carla from Georgia, and I just want to thank the beautiful Creepster who gifted me with this intro. So now sit back and enjoy this sinister sighting with Carrie and Donna. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 153. And you just heard Carla Hill and that amazing poetry. And y'all, she, not only did she kill it, but she was one of the winners of the giveaway. Like a long time ago, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So long ago that we're doing another one. We are. So if you're not in the Facebook group, you better hop, skip, and jump on over there because we got 15 intros to give away. So all you have to do is comment on the post to say, I want to win, or whatever. Here's my name, or what the fuck ever. Carbs and Cox, I don't give a shit what you comment. Just put something on there so we know you want to win one. And then we're going to go live and do a draw the names. Yep. That was a will, but I said draw names, but you get the point. But if you just want to be sure that you're going to get your own intro... Head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Also, Carla knows this so well. Like, that was I on mean, the point. so well. What? On the point? Whatever. You get the point. Okay. The first one is Damn Kids. And that sounds like they get us too. <laughs> yes. Hey, girls. Mountain Mama here again with another story from the Damn Kids file. Having three little ones the same age was always an adventure, and on this specific day, I was trying to get some dishes done while the three then two-year-olds were supposed to be sitting on the couch watching TV. From the kitchen, I heard the bathroom door open and close over and over again. I turned off the faucet, shook my hands dry, and stepped in the hall to see one of the girls, little two-year-old Kay, opening and closing the door playing peekaboo. I said her name and started to lecture her about how she was supposed to be watching the movie with her sisters. I asked what she was doing, and she said playing with her friend. I said, oh, okay, sarcastically, and started walking her back up the hall when I heard the bathroom door close again. I rolled my eyes and told her to go back to the living room and sit on the couch. As I walked down the hallway, I saw the bathroom doorknob move. I swung open the door to tell little girl A or T to get back on the couch with Kay, only to find the bathroom empty. I panicked and backed out of the bathroom and closed the door. The doorknob wiggled again. I grabbed all three girls in diapers and shirts and got the hell out of there, unwilling to return by myself. I asked child Kay who she was playing with, and she said her friend. They're nice, but makes too much noise playing with the toys at night. I told her that I did not want her playing with them anymore, as I did not know them and had not met their parents. I wish I could say that this was the last of the girl's playmates scaring the shit out of me. But motherhood is motherhood, and though the kids freak me out on multiple occasions, I'm blessed to have each one of their creepy little butts. Thank you for every episode of your podcast that gets me through the day. Thought three toddlers were a challenge. Currently trying to survive three 16-year-old girls, a soon-to-be 13-year-old girl, and an 8-year-old that loves to watch YouTubers that's very voice makes me want to have a drink. Pray for me. 
stay safe and don't get scared. Oh my gosh. Mm -mm, Those kids, that's creepy. You do have your hands full. You continue to have your hands full, but um, look, you have a lot of kids anyway. You do not need an extra one who is making noise who's not even there, really, or that you can't see. And only your kids can see because that's creepy as fuck. This one is the entity that follows me. Hi, ladies. I've debated whether or not to send my stories in for a while and finally got around to it. I love your podcast so much. Seriously, y'all never fail to make my day better, no matter how bad it is. My name is Bina, or B for short, and I'm about to tell y'all the story of the entity that follows me. To make the story a whole lot easier, I'll call this entity Steve. Why? Couldn't tell yet. Just feels like it suits him, you know? My first encounter with them was when I was roughly 10 or 11. This was when I was tormented by negative entities, sleep paralysis, and horrific nightmares. It got to a point where I physically couldn't take it anymore. I was experiencing sleep paralysis when I met them. It was right after I was able to move again. I remember bolting upright in bed and feeling observed. I looked over and there they were. They stood in between my wardrobe and window, quite tall too, the top of their head almost touching my ceiling. And they were hunched over, arms almost touching the floor. And where the eyes should be were glowing this pure white light. I feel like most people would scream or attempt to go back to sleep, but I felt nothing but peace wash over me. They nodded and I fell back asleep. From then on, I saw them almost every night. I used to hear scratching or tapping on my walls or my windows. Because of this, I never slept without music. This is how Green Day became my favorite band. God bless the heavy drums for drowning out those noises. The scratching and tapping would continue well into the night. Steve would show up and it would stop. I distinctly remember one night where I woke up and he moved from his usual position of in between my wardrobe and window. Instead, he stood in front of my bed, facing away from me, staring at something. My eyes adjusted and I heard a laugh. I saw red eyes for a split second and suddenly they were gone. Steve turned around and looked at me, sat on my bed, and stayed until I fell asleep. They showed up countless times since then, and my best friend even made them a card for Yule. They loved it. It was so pure. I don't always need Steve's protection, however. For example, a negative entity somehow worked its way into my room, but after I noticed this, I told it to piss off and went back to sleep. I was tired and it seemed to do the trick. One of my friends also gave me a tarot reading and I learned a little more about Steve. They are attached to me and quite fond of me. They like to do little favors for me. They were the owner of a piece of jewelry that may be in my possession. The description was gold or silver and a pendant necklace. When I tell you my heart dropped because you'll never guess what kind of necklace I own. It's circular, gold and silver, with a pendant holding a clock in the middle. I've always really liked that necklace and felt an odd connection to it. Anywho, I have tons more stories and I'll send them in when I confirm that I wasn't going insane. Seriously, I cannot thank you beautiful ladies enough. Y'all are awesome. Hello to all of my fellow creepsters out there too. Y'all are the coolest. Stay safe and creep it real ladies. Okay, so Steve or the entities, they're like your guardian angel kind of thing. They say guardian angels come in all shapes and sizes. Some scary looking. So I'm not, but like they can look scary, but if they protect you, it's okay. Yeah, but like, could you not look so scary? That'd be nice. <laughs> right. But if they make you feel peaceful, then I guess like it doesn't matter because like your body reacts to it and then you can go to sleep. 
But like, why their eyes not in the right spot? No, they are. It's just they don't have eyes. It's like glowing white. I was thinking their arms were where their eyes were supposed uh-huh. to be. Okay. You're like, ah, real monsters. Yeah, you know what? Just just ignore me over here. <laughs> and keep your monsters next to you. <laughs> All right, the next one. This one is paranormal and is actually a really sweet one. That's not my words. That's their words. This story starts off kind of sadly. My grandpa and grandma had moved to Mexico after retiring and were basically living the dream. But this was sadly cut short when they were both involved in a nasty car wreck. My grandpa died and my grandmother was badly injured and had to return home to Kansas. She had some traumatic brain injuries that somewhat affected her day to day, especially as she got older. A few years after the car wreck, my dad ended up leaving his first wife. They had an extremely toxic relationship, and it was definitely for the best that they went their separate ways. But it was still a very messy situation, especially when my mom entered the picture. My dad is much older than my mom, and this raised a lot of eyebrows. Even though it's a story so old, it's basically a cliche. Older man divorces his wife and finds a beautiful, much younger woman who is essentially the opposite of his ex-wife. A very Mad Men-esque They definitely faced a lot of judgment from a lot of friends and relatives. However, my dad's mom was very kind to my mom from the beginning. When they first met, she semi-jokingly said, You know he has no money, right? By the end of the visit, she was my mom's number one fan, saying, I like this one. She's sitting by me. One day, when they went back for a visit, my mom was taking a few steps ahead of my dad. She reached forward to knock on the door to my grandma's apartment, But just as she knocked, the door opened. My mom saw a male hand on the doorknob opening the door inward, but did not hear anything. She was chit-chatting with my dad and stepped in expecting to see one of my uncles who lived nearby and visited frequently. But there was nobody there. Eventually, my dad's mom came from the back room and greeted them. They asked right away if one of my dad's brothers was visiting, but she looked confused and said no, they had not been by all day. So, whose hand was it? My grandma moved slowly and was very clearly in the back room when they entered the apartment. And my mom insists the hand looked distinctly male. My dad thinks it was his own father opening the door for my mom. He had always thought it was a shame they could never meet, since he would have loved her as much as his mom did. My grandpa was the head of a newspaper and my mom had just finished journalism school. They both loved traveling and writing and even had similar values and backgrounds. So maybe this was my grandpa's way of welcoming my mom into the family. And I don't know if we can say their name or not, so we're going to call them Kay. That's a sweet way to look at it. Mm-hmm. I like that. I just wish that she would have known he was there. Yeah. Can you just rewrite your story and tell us that? Okay, thanks. <laughs> Also, when your mom met your grandmother, it's like in Just Right, it's a part that I like. It's a movie. That's a movie. Sorry. My brain is not working today, but Just Right is a movie that I like. And it's when Common's mom, who's played by the lady who was... Claire Huxtable. Yeah. I'm so glad you're good with names today. Yeah, but I can't tell you her real name. (laughs) But she comes in and she's asking about stuff. And of course, Queen Latifah knows all the stuff. And then she's like how are you at BizWiz? And she, you know, like they, I don't know, they're just joking. And cause Queen Latifah is herself. And she's like, I like her. I like her, you know, like I'm going to have to beat her or like, yeah, like I'm gonna have to put her in her place. I'm gonna have to whip her ass at this game. Yeah. But I like her. Yes. And I love that part. And I'm just like, God. I wish I had that kind of confidence that I could just right? be like, you do. I don't know why you're saying right like that because that's exactly how you be in that situation. Sans the basketball knowledge. <laughs> True. I'd been like, 
I don't know. But you would be like, I will take you in Mario Kart. Do you know Temple Run? Did I get all your little shit that you <laughs> okay, ask well, all these when, boys? Temple Run, I've never been good no, at. No, Temple, Legends of the Hidden Temple. Oh, <laughs> I do ask them about that. That's okay, if see, they're young, though. That I, They got to be able to know. Look, I have qualifying questions. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't actually disqualify you from anything. She just playing. I mean, you're not wrong. All right. Hi, ladies. I have another story for you. Thanks for doing such an amazing job at making my day go by fast at work. You both do a wonderful job on your stories and give it the respect it deserves. Please never stop podcasting. Okay. Me and my daughter, Charlie, were having a girls weekend. We went to New Orleans and stayed at the casino. We went to the spa and had a day of relaxing. And then we went to a show at the casino. On our last day, Charlie tells me she wants to go on a haunted tour through the graveyards. My first thought was, uh, no bitch, no, but after much begging and whining, I relented. We went to a couple of them, and as you ladies know, New Orleans buried their dead above ground. Well, we walked up on one that looked like it had been robbed. The concrete door was broken in half, and the angel on it only had one wing. We both were asking the tour guide, what is with this busted-looking grave? It's just sad-looking. She told us that some of the graves were really old and there was no one to make sure that they were being kept up. Then I was swept over with this overwhelming feeling of sadness for this person. Then I thought, what is wrong with me? You don't even know this person. After mentally slapping myself in the face, I shook my head and said, strange. Charlie was asking me, did I? Then I asked her, did I what? She said, did you take a picture of that angel? It's so sad. I told her, no, it doesn't feel right. She just looked at me confused and takes her phone and takes a picture that she wanted. I keep trying to shake the sadness off, but we're in a graveyard, so how easy could that have been? I keep turning around and looking at that angel. It looks like she's looking back at me. I stop and turn and look again, and again, she is looking right at me. I ask for my daughter's phone. I look at the close-up picture she's taken, and the angel is looking down. I quickly turn back around and look, and she's still looking right at me. Now, we are about... I would say two blocks, if we can put distance like that, away, and I'll look back at the phone and ask Charlie to look at the angel and tell me what she sees. She just says, same old busted angel staring away at us. I say, now look at your picture, and I hand her the phone. She says, what is going on with you, mom? And stops talking mid-sentence and says her first curse word boldly in front of her mother, What the fuck? She's looking at me and I'm looking at her and I tell her, now let's both look at the angel. We do and it's looking almost smirking at us. Charlie says, let's walk toward it and never take our eyes off of it. I tell her she can, but I'm going to make sure we don't run into some janky graves and get smashed in the face by some shit. It was very uneven in there. She said, okay, you guide me and I won't take my eyes off of her. So we start walking back to her. I tell her to take out her phone again and take some more pictures. She walks a little ways and snaps, walks a little ways and snaps. The whole time she's telling me that she's still looking at us. We get right up on the grave and I trip while I'm watching where I'm going. I fall and take Charlie down with me. We're both lying on the ground and we look up and the angel is looking down with her eyes closed. Charlie jumps up, helps me up, looks at her phone and at the pictures she's took. 
and all of them show the same thing. A broken angel looking sadly down at the ground. She screams, no, no. I saw the screen before I took the picture. She was clearly looking at us. I told her, well, I guess whatever it was wanted us to know that they did not appreciate us talking smack about her and the grave that she was looking over. That was 15 years ago, and she has not asked to go on another one of those tours. I don't even know if they still do them in the graveyard since this was before Katrina. It was definitely an experience that I never want to experience again. Thanks again, ladies, and keep on keeping on, Amber. No, thank you. I don't want to experience that either. That's scary as fuck. I mean, you were looking where you were going and you were tripping. No, thank you. Mm-mm. The only time I've really ever been in one of the graveyards in New Orleans was actually, like, to my brother-in-law's dad's grave. You know, mm. like it was for something. I don't I don't think I've ever done like a tour in them. I don't like graveyards. Even when they're buried in the ground, I don't like them. I will say I did do some like sightseeing type things at the graveyards in Salem. Like some specific like, hey, this is, I can't think of anybody's name right now. This is such and such's grave. And then they have a um like a witch, air quotes around witch memorial. And it's for the 19 that were murdered. It was, it's like a memorial for them. And that's really cool. And then um one day I was just driving and I just stopped at this random grave and like, Saw some really cool, like, old headstones, you know, just to kind of see, like, the dates on them. Um, But then I got, like, a really weird vibe. And then I looked in these bushes and somebody had, like, made a, like, a house, like, in these bushes. Like, it was like a, like, a homeless camp. And I was like, is someone in there watching me right now? And then I got, like, this really, like, get the fuck out of there feeling and left, you know? I did not know that story. Mm-hmm. But also, you caught a vibe, and then you said, oh, baby, I need to go for a ride. <laughs> well, whenever uh, you were reading that story, and he was like, and she looked at me, and then I looked at him, or whatever those TikToks. I don't know that one. I can't. I cannot sing on key when I do it on this fucking <laughs> podcast. Or maybe I can't all the time, but I really you can't. You sound like it to me. Not there, but normally you but sound it's like, like it. She looks at me, and they go, and I look at him. Or something like that. Oh, good one. I don't know. Whatever was around that was like, y'all quit fucking with me. Okay, the next one. Hey, ladies, I have two stories to share with you guys today. The first one takes place in my old place of work. In high school, I worked at a rec center slash rock wall. When it was first built in 1950, it was a theater. In the office where we would work in the rock wall part was a door that we would often block off because it was not in any use. I decided to explore one day. The door opens up to some sketchy ass stairs that lead to the upstairs. Again, no longer in use. I'm not exaggerating when I say that place looks like a hellhole. For some background, the upstairs was used as dressing rooms for the cast to get ready. The paint was peeling off the walls. There was a maze of halls and random furniture and drywall and insulation all over the place. No lights and some random ass little kids toy cars where you would sit in the seats and use your feet to move it like the Flintstones. The bathrooms were disgusting with R words and mold. Thank you. Or did she? They said the real word. (gasps) Oh, thank you. Thank Carrie. (laughs) All in all, the upstairs is very creepy. It looks like somewhere teenagers would sneak to do some satanic rituals or something. I never really experienced anything up there besides sheer creepiness. However, the stairs that lead up there also lead to the rooftop. A while back, a 12-year-old boy was playing with his friend up there. Why, I don't know. 
One of the boys turned around for a second, and when he turned back, the 12-year-old boy was gone. It wasn't until two weeks later that they found his body in the air shaft because workers were complaining about a smell. Another death occurred there when an electrician was working in the dressing room upstairs. He died from being electrocuted on the job. The really sad thing is that it was his birthday. While I worked there, I never saw anything, but I used to work late at night sometimes till 3 a.m., one time, me and a friend were cleaning up, and we kept hearing rattling in one of the air vents in the hallway. It could have been pure coincidence, but the rattling was very rhythmic. Another time, my coworker went down to turn out the lights in the building. When she got up, she was locked out of the office area and stuck in the dark hall. She said she heard someone whispering her name, and when she finally got in, none of the other workers said it was them. Lastly, my boss said that one night, he was doing rounds after we left. It was night, and for visuals, there are three basketball courts closed in, and on each side of the court, there are hallways. I'll see if I can find some pictures. There are multiple doors to get to the courts. My boss said that he was walking on the courts. He heard, he heard and saw all the door handles rattling. I have a story that takes place in my house that I experienced haunting that I will send in another email once I get my annoying-ass acrylic nails off. I apologize for any typos. I cannot do anything with these nails. Nonetheless, type. Thank you, ladies, for the laughs. Have a great night. Heads up, I like to just go by Meg or Megan. Thank you. That reminds me of the theater where Casey and yes. Tiffany used to work. My sister Casey and, you know, our friend Tiffany. And Tiffany's older brother and my brother. True. <laughs> and, and my parents. parents. <laughs> <laughs> what does it say about me when I'm like, oh, that's sad that he died on his birthday, but damn, I really like that he wasn't like a year and a day old or a year and so many days old. Like he really was whatever year he was old. Yeah, I see what you're saying. That just makes me go, huh. Uh, no, I see, you, you want like round things. Yeah, well, like I do like dad. round things. <laughs> also, you talking about acrylic nails reminds me of Tiffany because she loves to tap her nails oh, on. Oh my God. And when she has acrylic nails on, one, I love when she scratches my back, but two, I hate that she punctuates every thing. And I'm like, Tiffany, those nails. Because <laughs> she's like, duh, dick, dick, dick. Like, yes. <laughs> uh, you can't see my hand moving, but she's like, like a like a duck mouth. Yeah. But it's her nails are, or she'll do it on the that time I w- oh my god. How many of y'all did that just annoy just me imitating cuz it annoyed me. Oh god. That's how I know with chewing gum. I'll be like stop smacking or you're going to spit it out oh. as I pop mine. Uh-huh. That motherfucker will pop her so fucking loud in a car. <laughs> but I hate loud car sounds. Uh-huh. All right, the next one. Greetings, ladies. I wanted to share a true crime that happened to my ex and his family. At the time, he was deployed overseas, and I was stationed in Fort Lewis, Washington. In 2008, I got a call from my ex-in-laws. We had a good relationship still, and they wanted to know if I had heard from my ex-sister-in-law. I told them I hadn't and asked if everything was okay. They told me that she was missing, and they haven't been able to get a hold of her. A little backstory, my ex-sister-in-law did drugs, and hung out with gangs. So her being gone was not unheard of, but what made it different this time was that before, if you called or texted her, you would hear back from her. This time, there was nothing. A few days later, I got a call from my ex-father-in-law, and he said that the authorities had found a torso in an abandoned house. It was through the tattoo descriptions that she was identified. The killers had dismembered her body, removing her head, hands, and feet. I had to submit paperwork and get my ex-husband back to the States for the family emergency. He was flown back within days. 
Once he arrived at his parents' house, I drove down there along with our two-year-old. It was a long 14-hour drive for me. I get there and we're all just trying to figure out what happened. And before we could go to bed, the house phone rings. My ex answers the phone and it turns out to be one of the killers. I panicked because one, how does he know my ex is back in town? Two, is he watching the house? Is he inside? I couldn't put my daughter in that situation, so I hauled ass back to Washington. Due to them not being direct family, my unit didn't allow me to go to the trial. But through news articles and what my ex-in-laws would tell me is that they did find her hands and feet, but not her head. As it happened, she was shot in the heart through a couch cushion to muffle the sound, and then dismembered by her boyfriend and his friend. This all happened in a nearby hotel. No motive was ever given. A key witness to the crime was subsequently killed in another state. Police believe it was a hit since his testimony could have put both the boyfriend and the friend in jail for life. Instead of a trial, both criminals pled no contest to involuntary manslaughter. Know how much time they got? 15 years. But he could get out sooner for good behavior. What an absolute shame. And they didn't sign their name, so I don't know for sure. Holy shit. That is so sad and just, oh my God, heartbreaking. And then to not even fucking get justice. Like, the justice that you know she deserved. And like, I know I've said this before, but of course they're going to have good behavior in jail. It's not, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've never been in jail, so... I don't understand the gangs and the protection. People are going to eventually get in fights and blah, 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 blah. I mean, I watch Shawshank Redemption. But, I mean, for the most part, people, like, keep their nose down and just do their time and get out, you know? Especially if they are going to be a repeat offender. They're doing the their damnedest so they can get out and do it again. And how can you get involuntary manslaughter and then desecrate a corpse like that? Right! Like, then let's get them on desecrating of a corpse or something. Like, let's yeah. get a little bit something extra. Like, I just don't understand why that was it. Oh, gosh. Not only is the murder itself traumatizing, but how she was treated as far as, like, the dismemberment and all of that, not finding her body, like, that's just extra trauma on the family. Like, can we not get a little couple extra years for that kind of shit? Right? I, I just think, like, hey, your ex-sister-in-law's missing. You haven't heard from her yet. Nope, nope. And then, not that her body was found, her torso was found. Oh my gosh. And thank God she had tattoos. Was literally about to say that. Ugh. This one is called My Great Grandmother's Spirit. Hey Donna and Carrie, my name is Noelle from Washington State, but this happened in Southern California. I want to say thank you so much for this awesomely captivating podcast. I work at a greenhouse taking care of plants and I listen to your podcast to educate myself on all the peculiar happenings that go on in this crazy world. Also, you both have such relatable personalities that I feel like I'm hanging out with friends while working. Well, you do not have a relatable profession because I can kill any plant. Oh my God, me too. But she really did kill aloe vera plant. Aloe vera, any succulent, any anything, literally anything. I could kill anything. <laughs> me too. But, you know, thanks for the oxygen. <laughs> Every time I hear the Sinister Sightings episode, I think of the time I was visited by my great-grandmother. So after joining the Creepinati, I thought I would write in and share my story. Also, thank you for the bonus content. My mom has five brothers and sisters, so I have a lot of cousins on her side of the family. We would all gather at my Nana and Papa's house for the holidays. On Christmas, all of the aunts, uncles, and cousins would be together, along with some of our distant relatives from France. 
wee oui, wee. Oui. Swear to God, I almost <laughs> went, oh, wee oui, wee. Oui. And I was like, uh, I'll let Donna do that. <laughs> I didn't disappoint. <laughs> there was so much energy throughout the house with everyone laughing, drinking, and having a great time. However, around 8 or 9 p.m., all of the lights in the house would go out. We would be in the dark, a little freaked out, and a few minutes later, everything would turn back on by itself. At around seven years old, I remember taking a bath after Christmas dinner and the lights going out. There were no windows in the bathroom and it was pitch black. I was definitely scared and jumped out of the tub to dry off as fast as I could. Everyone just played it off as it being an older house and so much electricity being used at once with 30 to 40 people in the house altogether. But my mom would joke that it was my great grandparents making their presence known. The lights went out every Christmas. It wasn't a huge house, but a good size three bedroom, three baths, two living rooms, and a den with a kitchen and dining area off the back living room. It was the house that my mom and her siblings grew up in when they moved back to the States after my grandfather's army tour had taken them to Germany. My grandfather's passed away shortly after they returned, leaving my great-grandmother in a house alone. She couldn't stay in the house by herself because she was partly deaf and blind due to having meningitis earlier in her life. She also spoke no English. My nana had to learn French to be able to communicate with her mother-in-law, who was now living in their house. My nana took the role of being her caretaker. My great-grandmother had never liked my nana and did not treat her nicely. My mom and her siblings noticed my nana's health declining after five years of taking care of my great-grandmother and convinced my papa to place his mother in a nursing home. My great-grandmother passed away in that nursing home before I was born. Every summer, my sister and I would stay at my grandparents' house for 10 days to visit. When I was 13, I had an unforgettable experience. It was late, around 2 or 3 a.m., I had snuck out of the bedroom I was sharing with my sister, trying not to wake her up, while I talked on the phone with a boy in the front living room. Okay. I turned on the chandelier in the entryway adjacent to where I was. From the entryway, a hallway led to the kitchen, which led to the dining area and back living room. I stayed in the front living room because it looked so scary down that hallway. I'd always felt like someone was watching me when I was in the back room which was mostly true because the kitchen looked into that room and my Nana spent a lot of time in the kitchen. Even though everyone in the house was asleep, I did not want that feeling of being watched. I sat by the window talking on my cell phone when the call ended mid-sentence. All of a sudden, I did not have a single bar of cell service. I stood up to use the house phone. When I was standing underneath the chandelier to begin down the hall, the lights above me began to flicker. Then they fully went off and on, off then back on. I was frozen. I began hearing a low guttural moan coming from the kitchen. I choked out the words, Nana? Papa? Seeing if it was one of them. The moaning got louder as if it were coming closer, but I did not see anyone or anything. The lights above me went all the way out and the deepest, loudest, most terrifying moan surrounded me. I bolted to the bedroom. I woke my sister up and told her what happened. We couldn't sleep for another few hours, just staring at the bedroom door, knowing there was something on the other side of it. In the morning, my grandparents were in the kitchen making breakfast. My Nana wanted to know why the lights in the entryway and the hallway were on when she got up, and I told her what happened. She brushed it off and said the moaning was a dog, that it was nothing. I know it wasn't the dog because running back to the bedroom, I stepped over the dog who was asleep in the den. My papa began to say, no, that was my mother. She's still here. My nana told him to shut up because my sister and I would not want to come back. 
I felt okay with it, knowing that the spirit was a family member. The house was probably the last place in her life she felt at home. She loved my grandfather so much. I imagine that she wanted to come back so badly after being moved to the nursing home that my mom said smelled of urine and had loud moaning throughout the hallways constantly from unhappy elderly patients. That moment has always reminded me that I do not know everything and anything can happen. Creep it real and don't get scared. Uh, props to your Nana for learning French. That's very right? hard. And she learned French for you, and you're not going to be nice to her? Right. I know. Also, being a caretaker is so hard, and then someone not being nice to you, like, after you're doing everything for them? Mm-hmm. If it was your great-grandmother, why was she growling and moaning well, at you? Well, a guttural. Thing. Yeah, like, that was, that's... Yeah, I know, that is scary. <laughs> but also, she didn't... Maybe she just was... Speaking French? <laughs> Well, I was just going to say, maybe, I mean, she wasn't nice to your grandmother. Maybe she just wasn't, like... Some people just aren't nice. Yeah. I'm not saying that she's a bitch. I'm just saying that she just wasn't friendly. friendly. God, my dad's mom just wasn't a nice person. Like, she just was just kind of all around just a grumpy Gus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and some people just are. Yeah. All right. Last one. This is titled, Residents Can See the Spirits? Hey, y'all. So I sent in a story that you read back in January, and I just listened to it. And when I say I fangirled at my desk at work, I mean I fucking fangirled at my desk. And then Carrie said my name, and I think I might have peed a little. (laughs) Don't worry, she did too. Yeah, I definitely did. No no questions asked. (sighs) So I mentioned that I had a few more stories, so I'm going to start with the paranormal. I don't have super scary paranormal stories, but I used to be a CNA in a nursing home and worked the night shift a lot of the time. So I'm just going to talk about one of my first experiences during a night shift. Man, you and Carrie are soulmates because this is the shit she loves. Not the night shift. (laughs) No, anything about it like a hospital. There is a hall with a chapel and I hated going down there at night. I would not go down the hall by myself. I would always have someone go with me. There was this one night when a bunch of creepy things were happening. There would be bed alarms going off when no one was out of their beds. Call lights were going off and the residents were sleeping. Then the chapel hallway had a call light go off and I had to go down there by myself. As I was walking down the hall in the dark, I saw a bright light out of the side of my eye. And when I looked, I looked into one of the rooms and there was a man who was not a resident standing there in the doorway. I took off running back to the nurse's station and nobody believed me. I was working with a male CNA and he was laughing at me like it was all a joke. So we went to do rounds and he was at the end of another hall and I had to go back to get something. While I was gone, he said that something touched his ear and whispered, go in the room. Then when we went in the room, our resident, who was completely dependent, like could not sit up by herself, was sitting up in her bed. And I asked her what she was doing. And she looked at me in the eyes and she said, they're following you. Uh Uh-uh. We put her back to bed and I thought I was going to literally shit my pants. We did not go anywhere without each other that night because there was no way either of us was going to be without the other. I was so excited to leave that nursing home that morning. There was a few different small stories, and I think I'll share the small ones in one big email. I hope y'all loved it. I know I love that story, but I was scared shitless then. I listen to you guys every day at work. I seriously love you guys so much. Creep it real, queens. I love you. Love, Kelsey. Uh-uh, no. that's so scary. No, that motherfucker's like, oh, <laughs> maybe you weren't lying about the scary dude. Right? Exactly. Like, oh, you're so scared. And then 
Uh-huh. Yeah, that who's spirit scared was now, like, motherfucker? What? Exactly. Mm-hmm. People talk big, big game till they're actually, they're the ones getting scared. Uh-huh. And, and by people, I mean me. <laughs> Same. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, no, no. And, like, they're following you. Uh-uh. And that she was up and you know she was dependent? Like, no, 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 no. Thank y'all so much for sending in all these awesome stories. If you want your story read, send it in to us at aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.